Hello again, this is Joshua Ritchie, and you are listening to another episode of Connection Point. It's a beautiful day here in the Ozarks. I just came in from taking my children outside for a nature walk. We got to look at some different types of trees and their leaves and found a few insects along the way. My boy really liked that. My girl's not so much. But whatever season you find yourself in, we're enjoying fall at the time of this recording. Maybe it's spring for you and you're getting ready for graduation. Maybe it is summer and you are finishing that book order for your school. Maybe it's winter and you're getting ready for Christmas break. Whatever time of year it is, it is a season that has challenges and opportunities. And I pray you'll find those in the touch of God upon your life to navigate you through whatever point you find yourself in. We are Connection Point today, and I have a question for you. What is a world view? One might define it as saying it is the way an individual views the world around them. A world view is how you view the world, right? In a manner of speaking, that's right. As an educator, we wouldn't accept that particular definition because you're defining the word with the words in it. That's what we call a circular definition. But it is very true that worldview is how one views the world, or maybe we should use the word perspective. It is the perspective that one perceives not just the geography of the cosmos, but by culture, by situations, by uh, different things that comprise what they know as life. It helps dictate what they, how they think and how they view any new thing that they've never seen before because they, they have an inventory of past concepts or ideologies. As Christians, our worldview should and ought to be a biblical-based worldview, meaning that we view the world through the lens of Scripture. As Christian educators, as youth leaders, as Sunday school teachers, Our job is to train children with a biblical mindset so they will view the world through the lens of Scripture. Their perspective will be based on what they read and what they believe from God's Word. That is a biblical worldview. As The scriptures tell us in James that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. How much more do we teach our children, teach our students, that if you say one thing and you do another, that makes you, uh, what would we say, class? A hypocrite. Yes, a hypocrite is someone that says one thing, but they do another And you've heard that old expression that goes, actions speak louder than words. Oh, yes, they sure do. But how much more is it? Jesus said that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. How much more is it then that 
what we believe and what we know to be true will be acted out in our conduct. There's an, an old expression that says the character or the true character of a person or a student in this case is what they do when nobody is watching. I believe that personally. I also believe that conduct is what someone does when people are watching and they're okay with it. So character is what someone is on the inside. Conduct is what they do on the outside, whether they care or not what is being seen, what is being observed. And so if there is a biblical foundation in the heart, in the mind, that will come out in their actions in their deeds, in their characteristics. I've often joked with other educators saying that we have children that we are trying to instill character in. However, some of them already are a character when we get them, aren't they? We're hoping to alleviate them from being a character and hoping that they will become full of character by the time our year is through with them. All of this talk about worldview would uh, lead me to this point here. I'd like to read excerpts from an article that was published in the American Family Association periodical known as The Stand from the August 2023 edition. It's uh, The title in the, in the publication is called Survey Tracks Biblical Worldview Among U.S. Adults. How do you see the world? It notates a research that was accomplished by Mr. George Barna, founder of the Barna Research Group. I will include a web link in the show notes for his research website. He defines a worldview as a set of beliefs that produce specific behaviors. Barna goes on to say that people do what they believe Behavior is the tangible outcome of belief. That echoes the words of Scripture as we were just saying, that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. People will do what they believe. Barna says that um, the goal, and I will insert of life, but he says the goal is to actually live in concert with those beliefs or the beliefs that an individual truly believes. So if we weren't even speaking about Christian matters, whatever you think is true, you had better hold to that in order to have a successful or a peaceful life. So when I, when I hear the word concert, as Barna used in his quotation, my mind goes to a symphony some great orchestra where it you have multiple instruments of various degrees and they practice and they work together and the harmony produced by all the many instruments working, playing together skillfully creates a beautiful sound, a beautiful concert. And Barna equates that to someone who lives according to their beliefs, how sweet that is, how lovely that is, how unhypocritical that is. 
when you really know what you believe and believe in what you know. I'd like to share with you uh, just uh, briefly an outline of seven cornerstones by Barna through his research and surveying for many years, a large group of individuals to see what, what really equates a biblical worldview. Barna outlines it in the form of seven cornerstones, as he calls it. These seven cornerstones, according to him and his research team and countless hours of study, are what Barna relates as if you adhere to all seven of these cornerstones, then you must possess a pure biblical worldview. It is interesting to note, and I do not have all the stats for the number of people surveyed, the the historical or the religious socioeconomic background. I don't know any of that about the individuals. And you can always look that research up again through his website or pulling this article up through AFA. But 3% of adults surveyed adhered to all seven of these cornerstones. And I'm about to read them to you. 3%. Now, there was about 80% that would adhere to either one or more of the cornerstones, so maybe one up to six, 80% of individuals surveyed would adhere to some of them. But all seven, there was only 3%. I'm going to read them to you, and in my opinion, these cornerstones are just a good summation of biblical perspective. They're, they in my opinion, I'll state that again, this supersedes denomination on the most part. It's good traditional Christendom here at work. Uh, so whether you're a Pentecostal or a Baptist, you would likely agree with these cornerstones in, in the value of how it is written. And I'm going to give them to you right now. Think about these. And as you're thinking about them, as educators... Hopefully, this will hone in on the fact that these are the things we are com- are compelled to instill into those whom we have influence. Our children, if you're a parent, our students, if you're a teacher, our our young adults, our our youth group, if you're a youth minister, children's church worker, Sunday school, wherever you are that has influence on impressionable lives impressionable minds, the goal as Christians, as Bible-believing fundamental Christians, is that we would develop thinkers that are based on Scripture with a biblical lens that everything that is interpreted, everything that's viewed goes through Scripture. Here are the seven cornerstones. Number one, one must possess an orthodox biblical understanding of God. Don't be scared by that word orthodox. We don't usually use that word in much of our Pentecostal holiness conversations. But orthodox really in this case is just referring to traditional aligned fundamental truth of the scripture. 
Uh, one example would be the, the doctrine of the Godhead, the Trinitarian view of God, God in three persons, co-equal, co-eternal. That, um, that is traditional orthodox uh, teaching of the Godhead. So, And we could discuss even other ideas, but just so you get an understanding. It's, it's so the first cornerstone is one must possess an orthodox biblical understanding of God, not deviant from any view of theology of the study of God himself. Two, all human beings are sinful by nature and choices have moral considerations and consequences. Three, The consequences of sin can only be forgiven and eliminated through faith in Jesus Christ, and forgiveness is available only by personal acknowledgement and confession and complete reliance on his grace. Four, the entire Bible is true, reliable, and relevant, making it the best moral guide for every person in all situations. Five, absolute moral truth exists, and those truths are defined by God, described in the Bible, and are unchanging. Six, the ultimate purpose of human life is to know, love, and serve God with all of one's heart, mind, and strength. And seven, Lastly, success on earth is best understood as consistent obedience to God in thoughts, words, and action. There you have it. Seven cornerstones as outlined by George Barna that determine if a person possesses a pure biblical worldview. I didn't read anything that in my personal perspective, my personal worldview seemed conflicting. Nothing that seemed a little borderline. You know, this could be a debatable topic. As a Pentecostal holiness believer, I adhere to all of these unashamedly, unequivocally. Now, again, when you get into the doctrine of salvation, there might be some various views that may lean one side or another, and depending when you discuss on liberal and conservative ideologies. But at its core, at its core, these are solid foundations, cornerstones, as Barna put it, for having a biblical worldview. And what does that mean again? (laughs) Is it just the way one views the world? Well, in a manner of speaking, it is. But it is the perspective that is based on presupposition. And that word just means I come to the table, I come to the argument with some already supposed beliefs. Now, supposed might sound weak, might sound iffy, but don't. I'm not saying that to question anyone's faith, all right? I'm saying that as in a presupposition is a presupposed idea. It's before you base a decision on something, you already have this in your mind. So because I believe in a literal God, then 
that I can make decisions on things that happen in life, understanding that God is sovereign and God is overall. And so I don't look at things as happening by mere circumstance or coincidence, but I recognize God's hand is at work, even in things that are challenging, even in things that seem to be not fair or not good. I know that God is good. As a Christian, I'm going to hold to Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, that particular promise comes with some prerequisites. The prerequisites to that promise are, I've got to love God and I'm called according to his purpose. What does that mean? Well, let's define both. Jesus said, if we love God, we'll keep his commandments. So he that keepeth my commandments, he it is that loveth me, putting it in first person of Jesus. And so that we know if we love God, then the action of that is we're going to be obeying his, his word, his commands. The second part of Romans 8.28 is that are called according to his purpose. And we could paraphrase that into saying, are you pursuing God's call in everything you do? In every part of your life, are you called? Have you been? Uh, have you sensed God's choosing you and in, in calling you to a uh, to a life of Christian service in whatever capacity? This isn't just a calling for accepting a ministerial call, but a, it starts at salvation, and it starts in pursuing God's calling and leading in every day of your life. Proverbs three five and six says, "Trust in the Lord with all thine heart." Lean not to thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. There it is. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Teachers, you acknowledge God in all your ways. Youth leaders, acknowledge God in all your ways, in what appears to be spiritual and what appears to be mundane. That is pursuing God's calling in my life. And if I love God and I'm called to his purpose, or I could say purposes, I have the promise of scripture that all things will work together for my good. So again, because I have a biblical worldview, everything that happens, whether it's affecting me or just the world at large, I look at it through a lens of scripture. I used to tell my students when I taught high school, I used uh, coffee as an example. Most nowadays, there's so many different styles and flavors and textures for your coffee, and it seems like students younger and younger are liking it, whereas in my growing up years, you had black coffee, and then you might have had a little cream and sugar, and it was usually the, the adults that were all interested in it, not the kids. That doesn't seem to be the case now. But I use the coffee analogy by expressing the filter if you're making an old-fashioned pot of coffee you've you got to pour the coffee grounds into the filter the water runs through and hopefully the coffee grounds stay in the filter and do not leak out into your coffee cup i've yet to meet someone that found that to be pleasant but what happens that filter any water any coffee any beverage you're going to get it's got to go through that filter and I would use, I would draw a picture of like a filter with my 
lovely artistic artistic ability i can barely say the word is and definitely if you know me it's not very much there i'm not artistic but i would try to draw a stick figure person with a filter over their head and then i would draw a bible an open bible and say the bible is the filter for the brain as that paper coffee filter is for your cup of coffee You've got to let God's word be the filter. Let it be the sifter that any thought that hits the head, hits my mind, it's got to go through the word first. That's how we can cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ as we read in 2 Corinthians. How do we do it? We let God's word be the filter. That's how we are not conformed to this world, but we are transformed by the renewing of our mind as we read in Romans. God's word is the filter. In the cornerstones uh, by Mr. Barna here, number four, the entire Bible is true, reliable, and relevant, making it the best moral guide for every person in all situations. Amen and amen. Finally, I'll leave you with this note. Number five of the Cornerstones by Barna said that absolute moral truth exists. And I'll stop there. In defining a biblical worldview, letting God's word be the filter, we've got to recognize God's word is the final authority. And we've got to teach our students that absolutes matter. They are in a world And it is a world, it's a cultural system internationally that truth is whatever you make it. Everyone does what's right in their own eyes. It's, there is no such thing as an absolute. I'm sure you've probably heard the joke in a college lecture hall when a professor said there's no absolute statement and the student raises his hands and say, excuse me, professor, isn't is what you said an absolute statement? If only they could see the irony of themselves in the present world that we're in when they make ludicrous statements to in 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 their in their stating of something that is not absolute, they are trying to decree that as an absolute. It's an irony that's never ending. As Christians, As Bible-believing Christians, we recognize that, yes, there are absolutes. There is truth and there is error. There is truth and there is false. There is right and there is wrong. And that is what we are praying for, that we can teach our children that they can get it for themselves and apply absolute truth into their life. The ultimate purpose of human life is to know and love God and serve him. That is based on a biblical worldview. Again, this article I've referenced is from the American Family Association, the publication called The Stand from August 2023. You can look up more information about George Barna on the link I'll include with the show notes. Keep on, teachers, preachers, ministers, parents keep on instilling a worldview make sure you've got one for yourself 
without question, without controversy. Let God's word be the filter for everything in life. Let there be absolutes according to God's word. Let's have a biblical worldview in all of our faith, in all of our practice. It's been a pleasure to be with you today. This is Joshua Ritchie, and you are listening to Connection Point.